The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag edition coming fresh off the combine. I just got back. It was a good week. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that here in the near future. There's some stuff that'll show up in this mailbag today, uh, and and we'll cover more on the draft show on Friday. But let's just go ahead and answer your questions and here to help me do that. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Maddie, what is your 40 time? Probably better than some of the people we saw run, but you tell you what, at about <laughs> Rich hundred about one more Kent, you could add a Kent onto my body. We still wouldn't weigh as much as Makai Becton, and he definitely runs faster than I do. I'm gonna go out of the limb and say that. Woo! Shocker. Yeah, I, th- he's moving. I haven't run a 40 time in a long time. Also with this year, Craig Stout. Find him on Twitter at Barleyhop. I, yeah, I'm glad nobody asked me my 40 time. I, hey, Craig, allow, what's your 40 time? Do they allow walkers? Um, can I, <laughs> oh, can I be in joke. a rascal scooter? <laughs> <laughs> the rascal scooter, the rascal scooter uh, probably was an improvement for some players. Yes. Let's just be honest. Maybe Cameron Dantzler. Oh, what? A, oh, rest in peace, Cameron Dantzler. We've already started plugging in some athletic testing scores into our our grade scale. Yikes! And uh, Cam Danzler took a tumble, uh, so you won't be seeing him as early in the KC Draft Guide. Speaking of the KC Draft Guide, the Championship Edition is now available for pre-order. You can get it for a limited time for eight dollars and fifty-four cents if you go to Gum dot co slash casey draft guide 2020 the promo code is liv that'll get it to you for eight dollars and 54 cents um i went down to the combine this week to try to get quotes uh for this for the draft guide from prospects on what it would be like to be a kansas city chief so you're gonna hear from i'm doing the math i think we're gonna have close to 100 prospects in the guide with quotes on what it would be like to be a Kansas City Chief. There's a decent chance that one of these guys gets drafted and you'll be able to turn to the page and see the first thoughts on what it would be like to be a Chief from those guys. So um, please feel free to, please, please uh, feel free to check out my my Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson. I've got a link to it right there if you want to if you want to find it or just use the link I just told you. Um, we're going to go ahead and answer some five-star review questions. If you like the show, leave a five-star review, hit the subscribe button to the channel. If you want to ask a question when you leave your review, please feel free. We, we check those 
every week. And I just thought I would start with this one. There's no responses necessary, Maddie. Uh, five star despite Z Man Gate says, first off, let me say thank goodness for Maddie Lane, the only one with a brain in his head. Kent and Craig, when posed with the question of describing Patrick Mahomes as a barbecue dish, essentially chose two pieces of Texas toast. If it weren't far and away the best podcast for film breakdown or film and draft breakdown and all things cheese football, I would have definitely given it four stars and reported this week's episode to Apple Support. Maddie, your response is not needed. Moving on. Office I'm busy fr- sipping tea. <laughs> office, <laughs> office friendly asks, how realistic is Eric Ebron as a free agent target? Unfortunately for Eric Ebron, I think, or for the Chiefs fans that would want Eric Ebron, I think he's been good enough in Indianapolis that he's going to demand a fair amount of money, not a huge contract, but enough that you're not going to pay him to be a bona fide tight end too, especially when you consider that Eric Ebron is not a great blocker. You would then force Travis Kelsey to block a little bit more, or you wouldn't have been able to get both of them on the field together. I just don't think his fit makes a ton of sense, especially given that I do think he will fetch a fair amount of money once he hits free agency. There's a lot of tight end questions today. Phillips iPhone asks, uh, what's a round three or later tight end target? And it's a guy I think we might have talked earlier this week. How about Devin Asiasi, uh, who really helped himself this week and might wind up falling uh, to that round, round round three rage or a little bit earlier. Um, he's kind of a guy that's that can do a little bit of everything. I don't think he's great or has one dominant trait, but I think he has some chops as a pass catcher. I think he's fine as a blocker. He may not be a, an exceptional blocker, and maybe you want a little bit more out of that you're tied into, but I think he's a, a quality piece uh, and, and potentially good value if he's fallen there and if he's somewhere there on day three. I wouldn't mind sweeping up and, and grabbing him. Time to go to the Twitter questions. And we got to start with this. Our guy BK Sports Talk out in St. Louis now doing big things. Uh, he asks, hey guys, big fan of the show. First time, first time, long time. How far? <laughs> that's a joke, but uh, how far would Simmons have to drop before you would consider trading up? I'll hang up and listen to your answer off the air. I just read the teleprompter, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> that was really bad. Let's talk. Let's talk about Isaiah Simmons uh, and how far. <laughs> How far would he have to fall to drop before we consider trading him up? Well, first of all, we, we miss you on 610, Brandon. Like, Ed, you were you. great there. Love you. Thanks for sending us a question here. Um, Isaiah Simmons may not be our cup of tea because of the way that Steve Spagnuolo runs his defense. He doesn't really fit the linebacker mold that Spagnuolo likes. He can't really stack or, you know, he, you don't want him trying to cover an interior gap in the run game. Spagnuolo likes bigger, heavier guys that can do that, even sacrificing some coverage ability. That's where Isaiah Simmons is at his best is in coverage, using that athleticism, using it in space. And Spagnuolo just doesn't play his linebackers that exact same way i think that he is an elite defender i think he's going top 10 you just have to have a plan for him because he's not one specific role that you want to shoehorn shoehorn him into and so i don't know that i would necessarily trade up for isaiah simmons i trade up for patrick queen i trade up for kenneth murray i don't know that i trade up for isaiah simmons even with that freak athleticism Yeah, we've talked about this a lot amongst ourselves, and I think that we don't want to come across as not liking Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons put on 20 pounds, it seems like, since last year, and he's still a freak athlete. 
his film this year to me was a lot better than it was last year. Like he did help erase some of the questions I had about him. He has moved up in my eyes of where I would value him going into a draft. The problem for me, like Craig just said, is I get it that you're drafting him for his versatility. You're drafting him to be a defensive playmaker. I'm just not sure I'm getting an elite or even a great prospect at any position. I don't love his change of direction, man cover skills to be a lockdown nickel slot corner. I don't love his ability to take on blocks or process runs between the tackles to be in a great linebacker. As a deep safety, it's just the same thing. I don't know if I see consistent range and the ability to match and mirror a quarterback's eyes over and over again. Part of that's his usage has been all over the place, but I don't know where I play him and get an elite player. Besides in the box, as a box safety, I know I get an elite box safety. What's the value for that? So his versatility with the floor being a strong safety, if he's there in the mid-20s, early 20s, yeah, I'd consider trading up because I think there's enough to work with to turn him into a linebacker or a weapon. It's just I don't know if you're getting a great player at any one position. And in the first round, especially the top half of the first round, I want an elite player, not just a good player that can play multiple places. Yeah, th- there is a lot of question marks there. And there's I, I think the thing is, there's splash plays. But the thing that's difficult is there's splash plays in a variety of roles. Mm-hmm. Like there is, you know, and I think that's why people are so endeared to him is because you see him in the national championship or is he the national championship or the semifinals playing as a single eye safety and closing and making interception on the sidelines. You see him as a blitzer. And he's probably, I think that probably be, I, I think that might be the trade I like most of him. I think he's an exceptional blitzer. Like, I think that's the one thing I love the most about him. Um, but I, I agree with a lot of the sentiments that these guys have. There, it, there's not a a uh, a clear, like, you can't put him in a box. You have to have a plan for him. I don't think Steve Spagnuolo is the guy that's going to have a plan for him personally. Yeah. And, uh, and again, like Maddie said, we're not that down on him. He's way up there in our linebacker rankings. And we're going to classify him as a linebacker. We're going to put him through our safety metrics as well, just because he translates very well to that as well. But he's going to be way up there in both of those. Like, he's going to probably be top five in both of those positions. That there's value in that. But yeah, again, like I said, like Kent said, like Matt has said, you have to have a plan. You can't just take him and figure it out. You have to have a plan for him. All right. And Russell 2018 asks, which top tier prospects have thus far not t- tested as well as expected and made drop to the Chiefs? I think the, the conversation about this has to start with AJ Epinesa who um, I think at some point in the process was like a top 10 consideration as a prospect. Um, he, you know, a, a lot of people thought he was up there um, before the season started as like a top five player, ascending player. Um, he tested pretty poor. Uh, if we're being frank, he, he's, he's kind of a little bit of a tweener. Uh, he's, he's 275 pounds. So he's not quite a defensive end, not quite an interior defensive lineman, but I think his tape's pretty good, and I think he's still a power player. He's a guy that plays with power. I don't think the athleticism was ever always necessarily his game. He was always kind of a power player, uh, plays with you know strong hand technique. Um, so that's probably the guy that could potentially be there at 32 that I could see the Chiefs swooping up and taking him because I still think he's got really good tape. I think besides AJ Epinesa, who I do think is like the perfect answer there, I'm going to go with Jeff Gladney. 
And now he didn't have a poor combine by the same measures that AJ Epinesa did. He just didn't pop eyes. He didn't make you stare at his workout numbers like a lot of people may have thought going into it. Now, there are some rumors swirling that he has a meniscus injury, that he needs to go have cleaned up after the combine, in which case, who in the world let him test at the combine at all? But if that's the case, and given one of his, like, the fourth, he's in the fourth percentile for three-cone time, you can watch him play for 28 seconds, and you can say that just simply does not line up. For a guy that I think was starting to get a lot of hype as a mid to late first round, possibly cornerback two or three off the board, I think Gladney's performance could drop him down a little bit, especially if you have to consider that he might be a little injured going into the process. He's a guy that now should be available at 32 unless teams fully believe he was injured and that was the only issue. So he's a guy that I think that definitely is back in the Chiefs range now, whereas I think he was about to test himself out of it if he was fully healthy. Uh, the real answer here is Cameron Dantzler at 96. Uh, <laughs> he has fallen so far. No, I, oh, we'll stick with no. the top tier guys here. Uh, Jalen Rager, uh, he did not have a good combine. He is a blazer, a deep threat. We talked about him a little bit, you know, in some of the other podcasts that we've done so far. Uh, Rager did not run well. He looked like he tried to put on too much weight. He's almost assuredly going to be there at 32 now unless teams are just like hey yeah no drop the weight back down and try and run as fast as you can again i think that he's going to be there at the bottom of that bottom of the round there i don't know if the chiefs are going to see the value in that position but they definitely are going to have a shot at a guy that they didn't have before uh something something of note here jerry judy kind of he's kind of he i wonder if he takes the um What's his name? The the wide receiver from Alabama. The fellow wide receiver from Alabama that had a, a brother that played at Georgia the year. Calvin Ridley. Oh, yeah. Calvin Ridley. I wanted to watch That's you struggle right. a little bit. I had the answer immediately. I just wanted to watch you work through that. Here's the funny thing. I had it in my head earlier, and I just totally forgot. I, I totally blanked. Because um, he's an old, I, and you don't like olds. He, I don't like olds, and <laughs> whatever. But I just wonder, you know, because like, he kind of underwhelmed athletically, too. I wonder if he oh, takes God. that kind of tumble too. I don't know. I just because there's better no, athletic, this class, there's better athletic profiles. His teammate Henry Ruggs definitely opens eyes. He fits that mold of the John Rosses or anybody else like that that has elite speed. So if you're looking for that elite playmaking ability, Henry Ruggs gets high on your list. CD Lamb, who some people already had as wide receiver one, hello family, tested better <laughs> than Jerry Judy did when you consider how they play. And if you look at their overall profile with everything, he tested a little bit better. And his play style matches his, like his athletic testing is good for his play style. You can easily see both of those guys go before Jerry Judy, which would constitute a little bit of a fall for him. Yep. Uh, all right. Nate CH479. If Michael Ojemudia runs in the 4.4 to 4.5 range, which he did, is he a top 100 pick, Maddie? I mean, at this point in time, you have to think that he's getting pretty close. I think he's had a good process leading up to this whole thing. And like you said, I did not see him going to run in this this fast of a 40 time. I thought he was a solid athlete, not a great athlete. I really liked his fit for the Chiefs because I thought that he was maybe a little bit stiffer, maybe not super fast or super explosive, but a smart football player with good length and size that fits in the Chiefs scheme. He comes out, he posts an elite athletic profile with above average to elite testing in every single category, size, explosiveness, strength, speed. 
he had the perfect athletic testing for a cornerback. He's a guy that's going to keep rising up boards, and I think he's almost cemented as a top 100 lock now because of that Iowa pedigree. If you look at his film, you see how he slots into specific schemes, and now you add then this big, huge ceiling of potential top and play based on his athletic profile. Yeah, and he fits with the Chiefs, guys. Like he He's a strong Chiefs fit there. And yeah, with him going top 100 there, basically, if you want him to be on the Chiefs, you've got to choose him at about that round three mark. Some of the other bigger guys that tested pretty well, Reggie Robinson tested really well as well. Uh, Stantley, Thomas Oliver tested really well. But Ojemudia has that IQ, has that, you know, a little more length, than those guys do. So he's going to go higher than they are. And that athleticism certainly didn't show up as much on the film. But if you can figure out how to unlock it, you can take advantage of his other attributes as well. Uh, you know, if uh, if Ojibudia, if the Chiefs waited till like round three, that the, he would make a lot of sense. Honestly, I think I, I would not be surprised if the Chiefs tried to, you know, grab him at 96. You know, if they tried to address positions earlier, um, if they if they were trying to get away with you know with with a guy like him at cornerback, that range, mm, it's about it's about right. It's about where I think we'll wind up having him. Maybe a little bit outside of the top 100, but not much. PG Sween, <laughs> big fan of the Nerd Squad here. I got the I got the context. I got the sarcasm there now. Uh, if the Chiefs were to keep all five picks, what would the position order be? I'll just throw this out there because I think we probably are going to be pretty close to lockstep on this uh cornerback linebacker interior offensive line wide receiver at round four let's just go safety in round five good craig's craig's give me the thumbs up it's not gonna be Jalen elliott though that dude is that dude's prime for a udfa after running four eight oh and he looked good at the senior bowl too cody tap i know we're just like we're just we're just answering questions from our all of our media pals. We've answered from BK Pete and now Cody Tap asks if there was a top five pick, if there was a top five picks for breakfast cereal, what would they be? Let's just do top three. Let's just speed it along here. Top three, Maddie. Oh no, I have five. Reese's Puffs <laughs> are number five. Number four is Kashi Go Lean Crunch. Oh gosh. Number three, Kashi Go Peanut Butter oh, Crunch. What cereal. are we doing here? Number two peanut butter captain crunch it would be one but your mouth can only take like two days in a row before it's just shredded and by far the best cereal in the world and i don't care if you believe it's a cereal or not is any kind of granola oh my goodness that is the most you are terrible time out maddie you are awful at carbohydrates you are just so bad at it you need to quit you are done. You don't like toast. You don't like Texas Toast Z-Mans. And now you have literally gave it, given the worst and oldest cereal list I have ever heard in my entire life. Is there new cereals out there? Like, what, how is my list old? I don't understand. I, I just, Craig, Craig is 65 years old, and his list is going to be better I than yours. I have not so, had a bowl of cereal in probably three years, Kit. And if I have, it's yeah. with granola. It, it shows. It shows, Matthew. <laughs> Cinnamon Toast Crunch. Uh, Yes. uh, Let's see here. Man, I also haven't had cereal in a long time either, and it shows uh, Fruit Loops. Old. And let's go. Let's go Captain Crunch. I like Captain Crunch. Very old. Do you want to extend to five? No. I'm I'm struggling with three. Um, Honey Bunches of Oats. Old. (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) 
uh shredded wheat frosted Very shredded old. wheat oh it's delicious it's it's delightful frosted flakes old um actually no cinnamon toast crunch thin frosted flakes then fruity pebbles fruity pebbles is more nostalgic maddie you don't get to say anything we're gonna take a break and we will be back right after this continuing our questions on this monday uh for the first episode of the ap lab of the week wasted motion asks why is every year's draft the deepest people have ever seen is it truly that deep compared to years past dk metcalf and juan thornhill went at the end of round two last year after all dk metcalf and juan thornhill shouldn't have gone uh (laughs) round two after all sorry craig i thought i was leading this question no no you're you're good man you're good I, that's the problem that it, <laughs> i i think that every year that uh, draft analysts try and convince you that it's the deepest draft ever because it makes you want to consume their content more in truth every position kind of rotates a little bit you've got some drafts that are heavy in one position you know other drafts that are heavy in another this is a very deep wide receiver draft i think it's a deep cornerback draft last year was a very deep edge draft there's a good offensive tackle so i mean it it just kind of is a pick and choose sort of situation the draft classes as a whole you don't really know how that looks for several years because once you get out of basically round one and a half it's kind of a little bit developmental wait and see sort of situations there so yeah everybody's saying oh this is way deeper class than last year in certain positions yeah it looks to be in others it's definitely not so blanket statements like that don't really work i think the draft as a whole is the same level of deep every single year you don't you're not going to get guys in fifth round one year that are just going to be a third round pick in other years. Like, yeah, a guy here and there that one team likes more doesn't like, sure, but you're just not going to have this wholesale all round five guys would go earlier another year. Like Craig said, yeah, there's going to be some years where the position groups are stronger one time than other times. And if that was going to happen, that would be this year would be offensive tackle, wide receiver. Last year, you had some safeties that went later, like a Juan Thornhill, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. Like, you had a good depth at safety. It just changes from year to year. It depends on when guys are eligible, when they're seniors, when guys are coming out. No real pattern to it, though. I am going to disagree a little bit. Um, like, 2018, I don't think this... I think this year's draft class, for instance, just as a whole, is much better and deeper than the 2018 class. Like... I look at this group and I agree with a lot of these things that are guys saying there's like, there's always like waves of certain positions. Like there just is. Um, I think there's like a little bit more of a, like, I think four quarterbacks could go four or five quarterbacks could go in the first round. And I think four or five tackles could go in the first round. And the wide receiver class is really thick. And the cornerback class I think is really strong in the late first to, to early third range. Like I think, I mean, maybe it's just because the Chiefs need some of these positions too. Like, you know, like the cornerback positions, um, I, I have a stronger opinion about because I, I see how much they need it. But like, I don't know. I uh, I, I do think this is a, a little bit stronger class than like 2018. I think it's a little bit stronger than 2019. But I do agree with some of the sentiments these guys are saying too. Ryan Scott Hall, another media pal. We're just answering media pals, I guess, this week. Compensatory Kent. Okay, thanks. Uh, although a Chris Jones extension could result in the Chiefs needing to rely strictly on drafting and developing talent due to low cap flex, uh, isn't this the perfect time to do just that and give all of our role players, uh, given that all of our role players are about to get paid in free agency? 
Um, I think so. This this is a this is kind of a loaded question for me because I don't know if you can equate just simply the Chris Jones extension to the Chiefs needing to rely on drafting and developing. Like I think that's part of it for sure. But I think they're just kind of at a, at a standstill right now, whether or not they move on from Chris Jones, that they really need to be looking at um, at some volume of picks and some and some depth and, and drafting and developing some guys here. Like I think whether or not you're paying Chris Jones, this is a pretty critical draft for this football team. Um, and it wouldn't it wouldn't hurt to have more uh, cap flexibility and, and draft flexibility here. So like I don't look at it directly to just the Chris Jones situation. I just think at this point where you're about to start paying Patrick Mahomes a lot of money, Frank Clark, Frank Clark gets more expensive. Tyron Matthew. If you look at just beyond that, like I still think this is a really critical turning point for this organization if they want to continue to extend their Super Bowl run. The big thing for me with this would just simply be not very many teams can prolong Super Bowl runs, can prolong their window to win a Super Bowl unless they start getting cornerstones of the team that are on cheap rookie deals. And you need some of those guys to hit pretty quickly. And the Chiefs only have five draft picks. They're not particularly high draft picks given they won the Super Bowl. If you were going to strap yourself in cash and not get more picks out of it, you have put a lot of pressure to hit those picks. Outside of Juan Thornhill, they don't have any real linchpins on the team that are on cheap contracts. Everybody else that is pivotal to this team's success is a very expensive player. You cannot keep paying everybody that's going to be pivotal. It just simply doesn't work out that way. So at some point in time, you just really got to get more volume preferably in the first three rounds, not the useless day three. And then that way you start getting some guys on cheap deals that are worth building your team around. Techno Brad asks, do the Chiefs use the extra $10 million in projected cap to sign Chris Jones to a long-term deal, bring back one of their unrestricted free agents, or bring in a big-name unrestricted free agent? Really quick, though, Craig, before you jump in here, I don't believe that they're getting $10 million additional cap. I think one of the projections I saw was... Going from two hundred million to two hundred four million, so I don't think that number is correct based on some of the stuff I've seen. So, anyways, but continue, Craig. Yeah, I I also am looking at it from the standpoint of the entire CBA is going to send this salary cap through the roof over the next three years. It's not. I, I know that we're all looking at it from a this year perspective. You can structure these deals any way you want. After the new CBA is signed right now, you can't because of the 30% rule. You can't have one year that's 30% more than another year. If the new CBA is signed, you can structure it however you want. You can push this money into these insane cap years coming up. So it's not just the $10 million, which makes me wonder about Chris Jones and their ability to pay him or willingness to pay him it sounds like they're far apart they put the tag on him immediately he was out doing media about being put on the tag immediately that's not the sign of you know two parties that are close to being together there i don't think that money is necessarily going to be the biggest issue on this because the cap is going to be pushed so high over the next three years so I think it's going to be another unrestricted free agent. There's not really anybody to really pay that's coming out off of the Chiefs roster that they really desperately need to pay. So it comes down to Jones or an unrestricted free agent. I think it'll be another unrestricted free agent. 
Yeah, I'm leaning that way as well right now. And like Craig said, there is going to be more money. You will be able to structure deals that can get this money pushed down the line, but eventually you're going to run into the same deal. Even once the cap starts to go up, new contracts that you sign are going to be based on the cap going up. They're not going to still base all of their contracts over the old CBA contract. So the Chiefs have known the cap was likely about to go up if this got this deal got reached. Chris Jones' agent, every agent knew the cap was likely to go up roughly what it was going to go to. These negotiations, that was in someone's mind. I don't think that's going to change their plan with Chris Jones going forward. I don't think the extra $4 million this year is enough to make a huge difference in terms of Chris Jones' contract, yes or no. I think the Chiefs have kind of drawn their line on what they want to pay. Chris Jones has drawn the line on what he wants. And right now, neither neither side is really moving. So I don't see him as a super high probability at this point in time. I hope they spend it on an outside unrestricted free agent. That's my hope. I could easily see them signing some guys that hit free agency on their own team and trying to run it back with essentially the same team that they had before, though, because they did just win the Super Bowl. I yeah. If you've listened to some of Brett Brett Veach's comments recently, he, they it's not like the the Chiefs are just all of a sudden surprised that they're getting this cap space. They or knew, potentially guys. getting it. They they, they all known. So you know, look at it from that perspective. They were not surprised by anything. They've they've looked at uh, their their space and their situation with a new CBA and without a new CBA. That's something Brett Veach has said recently. So they have been preparing for all this. So what does that tell you about the Chris Jones situation? Okay, think about it a little bit. If they have more money and they're still fall apart, just 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 think about it a little bit there. They're they're in negotiations right now. I don't know how far they're willing to go to give Chris Jones money with or without the new CBA. But as of right now, it seems like they're pretty far apart based on Chris Jones going on national television and saying all that stuff and showing a little bit of frustration. So I just, they've, they've looked at all these scenarios. And, and to me. be fair, because sometimes we're painted as, you know, like not wanting Chris Jones around it. Chris Jones should be frustrated. He wants to get paid. Yeah. He wants to get paid like a top dude. We support, like he should, he should get paid like a top dude. It doesn't sound like the chiefs are, are necessarily willing to come up to that at this moment. So like, it, it's not just us sitting here going, Oh, the chiefs are right. And they should let Chris Jones go. No, no. it's uh, we're looking at it from the standpoint of it doesn't sound like the chiefs are going to pay. So try and get as much as you can for Chris. The two yeah. the two sides want two different things, and they're both right. I think the Chiefs have a good leg to stand on where they are with what the money they want to offer. It makes sense for their team building process. Chris Jones is very right to think that he should be paid up to just below Aaron Donald money because he's been that good. It just because both sides are right does not mean that one or the other is going to happen. Like the Chiefs don't have to budge. Chris Jones doesn't have to budge. We would like them to, but we just don't think that they will at this point in time. Perfectly stated. Chief Mahomey asks, should the Chiefs take uh, running back Antonio Gibson in the third round? Also asked, kind of, will he be there? Uh, Chief Mahomey says, in my opinion, he is a versatile, big, fast, and someone that Andy Reid slash Patrick Mahomes could make really good. I like Antonio Gibson a lot. I have kind of have him valued around there. I don't want the Chiefs to take him in the third round, though. And it just simply boils down to 
positional value and where this team is. I think Antonio Gibson is actually kind of an intriguing uh, intriguing player for this football team because I do think he could potentially provide some unique skills as a pass catcher out of the backfield because he does have a big frame and a a wide receiver background. He's a guy that wins at the catch point. For crying out loud, uh, you could run him on some stuff. You could you could throw him out there and treat him as a running back, line him out and empty, and do some really cool stuff with him. I think I think he would be a versatile piece. I don't value him there. I even though I have a third round grade or close to a third round grade on him. Running backs like Antonio Gibson, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, or even Lavisca Chenault, guys like that. I think you can take in the third round if it's a guy that can win as a receiver when you split him out when you can allow him to run out there, beat man coverage, zone coverage, just get the ball in their hands in different ways, not only behind the line of scrimmage, but you can actively incorporate them vertically a little bit. Yeah, the third round is about where I start considering those guys. And Antonio Gibson is very much like LaVisca Chenault to me. They played wide receiver. They weren't very good at it. But if you let them play running back and just ask them to be a vertical receiver at running back, yeah, they're probably going to be pretty pretty good weapons. So yeah, I wouldn't love the pick in the third round, but I would see the angle for it and it would make a lot of sense if you're going to spend a pick on a running back to make it that type of player and that's the range where I would do it at. I will I will add this caveat. If they have like if they wind up with two extra day 2 picks, sure, maybe. But with three top 100 picks right now, I can't do it. Like I just can't do it. Like honestly, like that's where and I'm I'm probably the biggest Antonio Gibson fan here. But with three picks right now, can't do it. Brandon422 asks, if the Chiefs can't land a top linebacker in the draft, are there any safeties that look like they could convert to linebacker in the draft? This is something we talk about all the time. <laughs> Unfortunately for the Kansas City Chiefs and us as fans, Steve Spagnuolo is not real hip to playing small linebackers as his starters. He likes guys that are in the upper 230s. You don't get a lot of safeties outside of Isaiah Simmons that weigh in the upper 230s. Yeah, since he's been with the Chiefs, they went out and traded for Darren Lee, who was a smaller linebacker. Maybe it signs He was 235, by the way. He was 235, by That's the way. That's right, and it showed up. His his extra weight very much showed up on the film. <laughs> but like maybe that signs of change coming. I just don't think it's something you're going to see in Kansas City. Now, that being said, Kyle Duger, Jeremy Chin, Tanner Muse, there's guys out there that can play a little bit of linebacker. They could probably make a full-time switch. Isaiah Simmons, they could probably make a full-time switch to linebacker in this draft class. I just don't think any of them are going to be a high priority for the Chiefs and the way Steve Spagnuolo utilizes and likes his linebackers to play. Yeah, Jonathan Casillas was 225 and was kind of played around 225. He was much lighter under Spags. That was the first time that he really used a smaller will. Uh, there are a couple safeties that are around that. Tanner Muse weighed in at 227 and actually had a very athletic combine. Like, he looked good. He's kind of the guy we've been talking about a little bit today can make that transition. There's a couple lighter linebackers that maybe might be considered kind of safety-ish. Davion Taylor out of Colorado is a lighter guy that can cover. If you're looking for a guy kind of in that safety mold, he's going to be a later round guy just because he's not huge. He, he clocked in 
in here at 228. He's only six foot tall, so he's pretty compact and stocky. He's not particularly long. He's probably a dime linebacker type player, but he kind of fits in that medium safety range there. A guy that you can get to help add to your dime repertoire there that we saw Steve Spagnuolo go into so much this year. Tom O'Neary asks, do you think on draft day the Chiefs will have the 32nd pick and are or are we going to uh, trade up or down? I think on draft day, we will definitely still have the 32nd pick. I think there's a chance the Chiefs trade down from there. I really do if the board doesn't fall the way they want it to or there's a lot of guys there. Like I do think a trade down is very possible. That 32nd pick has oftentimes been a pick that fans talk about a lot for teams trading back up to. I think the 49ers one pick ahead of them have less picks even the Chiefs do. So if a team wants to trade up, they might try the 49ers first. They might be a little bit more desperate. So that could hinder that ability. But if they trade up or down, I would expect down. I think they'll pick at 32, though. I think they want a corner or a linebacker and your chance to get one of your top guys at 32 should still be there. Yeah, I think they're picking at 32. I do too. Um, And the Niners don't have a second round pick because... uh... They traded to the Chiefs, who now are picking in their spots. I don't think they have a third-round pick either. And they beat him, beat him in the Super Bowl. Um, MJ Surge asks, do the Chiefs release Dustin Colquitt before the season starts? I don't think so. I could see Dustin Colquitt maybe retiring. And if so, you're saving $2 million in cap space. And then I they're signing... Justin Charles or Joseph Charlton from South Carolina. He's going to be your new punter, Chiefs fans. This is punter draft talk. The start and the end of it, right there. You're just gonna you're just gonna throw shade at my guy Jack Fox. Yes. <laughs> Jr. Jro nineteen nineteen asks any changes in linebackers after the scores are out. Craig, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you this one. Do the hamstrings hurt Queen and Murray? Uh, no, no. Those guys were testing very very well early queen maybe not quite as good as everybody expected but still very well those guys are still very strongly cemented as round one dudes some of the later round guys that maybe were a little more athletic that we thought like justin stranad that we talked about last week uh yikes 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 (laughs) he had i got a good quote i got a good quote real quick i got a good quote from justin stranad too which is really disappointing because he called his brother after meeting with the chiefs like with excitement and then my man actually he might be perfect for spags because he's not athletic yeah he's not um (laughs) anyways continue craig yeah francis bernard also kind of tanked a little bit guys that rose a little more malik harrison looked good uh, Logan Wilson looked good. Jacob Phillips looked good. Those guys all were definite risers, and Willie Gay was a massive riser. So there, there's some changes, but most of them are like into day two, early day three guys. So for me, I actually think Patrick Queen might slip just a little bit, and I don't. It's not even the tape. It's it, it's obviously not the tape. They just he came in a little slider than I think most people thought. I don't think his frame, when you saw him out there, looked like there was a ton of room for a lot more weight. So he's definitely going to be a smaller linebacker in the NFL throughout his entire career. He's not going to be a guy that's going to be able to pack on some extra weight and get even into the mid to high 230s and play there, I don't think. They came out, they were talking like he might try to break 4-4 on the 40-yard dash. He ran a very good 4-5-6, I believe it was, which is still a very good time. But that's not elite, especially for a guy that's going to be playing sub-230. So you have size concerns without being an elite, elite athlete. 
He then gets the hamstring injury, which I believe I've heard might hold him out of his pro day, which should, he has no reason to test anymore. He's still going to go in the top 32 picks. I just don't think he's a lot to go in the top 20 anymore. And if there is a chance he starts slipping a little bit, I would really hope that C. Spagnola would let his linebacking kind of thresholds out the window for a guy like Patrick Quinn. That's the big question, though, because if we're thinking that he's just going to play at 229, then... That's big enough. I, it's big enough. I Is it? Yeah, it's big enough. Are we are we talking ourselves into it right now, or do no, we really think it's No, I think it is, because I think Darren Lee was a slider guy. Jonathan Casillas was a slider guy. Steve Spagnuolo wants a linebacker that can run and be close to 230 for that will roll. I think Patrick Queen makes enough. He's close enough. I think he makes enough of an impact to where they would. And I help. think the help. size thing isn't just because he wants a big linebacker. He wants a linebacker interior that is able gaps. to play mm-hmm. against the right. run and interior gaps. Patrick Queen is not going to go take on a pulling guard and drop him onto his butt like maybe a Reggie Ragland would, but he is good at playing interior gaps. He'll slip the blocks in there. He stays in his gap. He holds his gap. He will play there, and he's good enough at it. So like that's why it's the size isn't as concerning when you look at the play style. All right, that is going to do it for the mailbag. We will be back later at the week with a positional profile of the wide receiver class, AP Laboratory, or AP Draft Show on Friday as well. We will catch you later. No, Kent, I don't want any Texas toast.